What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 41. My name is James Scully. Today on Breaking Walls, I sit down for a chat with Kieran Anthony Lewis, a UK-based graphic designer and creative thinker. I spoke with Kieran last year on Breaking Walls, episode number 21 in August. This year, Kieran has formed a new creative partnership with two people in his lives. He has completed a massive, more than 100-page publication for a company called Powderburn. We're going to get into how that came about, how long it took, the things that Kieran learned along the way. Kieran is learning German, and he is also picking up the guitar. And it's the kind of conversation where it's laid back. Kieran and I have a good rapport with each other, and he gets into what's going on in his life. So... I'm very excited to bring that to you, but I also, as I always say, you can get these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers. You can also get them on iTunes, search for The Wall Breakers. If you're going to do either of those things, especially through iTunes, rate, review, tell a friend, tell two friends. Word of mouth spreads these conscious conversations around, and I'm not going to take up any more time here on this open. Stay tuned after this brief pause for Breaking Walls episode number 41 with Kieran Anthony Lewis. Hey guys, back on Breaking Walls, and my guest today is Kieran Anthony Lewis, a London-based graphic designer whom I sat down and spoke with last year in the month of August on Breaking Walls episode 21, about things that he has harvested to put together and to move his life forward. Now, a year later, I wanted to sit and speak with him in September about learning lessons that he has picked up in the last year. So welcome to the podcast, Kieran. Hey, how you doing? Good, thank you. Now, you mentioned to me off air that this year for you personally has been one where you've had to find balance in your life because of mm. outside forces going on and... I think it's an interesting point to start with for mm. you and I, two guys in our 20s, because for the most part, unlike people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, in our 20s, it, sometimes it's the first experiences many of us have with uh, things we can't control, illnesses, yeah. death, you know, being fired from a job, moving on from a job, just li mm. life, life happening. Yeah. And you, know, you mentioned to me you know, learning to find that balance. Expand on that for, for your own perspective. How, how has it been? What were some of the difficulties? Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting year. I think, um, you know, whenever any year starts, you always like to, you know, be quite optimistic, you know, think sort of quite forward thinking. Um, from from my end, um, you know, there's been quite a lot of personal issues, uh, very close friends of mine, and also from work perspective as well, where, you know, people felt really ill and it kind of affected how my, you know, daily work basis would, would go about. Um, so I think trying to find a balance with work and, and also social life was quite quite tricky but I think you start to learn more things about yourself and I as a designer and also just as a, as a human being I definitely learned more within this year alone than I kind of feel in most years um sort of prior to now um but in a way it's been a learning curve a learning curve whereby you know you're kind of finding who you are as a person as a designer too um there's a lot of things I've learned um in terms of skills and, and as, as a designer which has been great but also there's a lot of things I kind of want to work on as well as the sort of new year goes into 2018 as well so um by all means, 2017, I should say. So by all means, I get ahead of myself there. So by all means, uh, it should be a very interesting year, but um, a lot of things to learn about. Well, you had mentioned to me also that, like last year, you were involved with the West Norwood Feast very heavily, uh, doing design work, mm. doing other things, wearing lots of hats, and having 
it's something that you were doing in your spare time that you were really enjoying, but also that this year, when we spoke last year, you were starting a new job. And this year you mentioned to me that that job had to take over more of your life and it was pushing other things out the door, essentially. Exactly. I'm somebody personally, I'm finding that, you know, I saw a great meme last week and it was, (laughs) it was an, it was an iceberg from as if it was like a profile where you could see layers below the water and then above the surface. And of course the tip of the iceberg was above the surface and it was like an arrow that said like success, but then there were all these layers below (laughs) that you weren't seeing. And in a lot of ways, although that's really corny, but in a lot of ways Mm. it's true though. I'm finding for myself personally that the, that the, the level of ethic that I need seems to be continuously increasing where I thought I had enough work ethic, but no, I didn't. And it's not always just work ethic. It's mm-hmm. like ethic to kind of like what you're saying. It's almost like ethic to finding the personal balance, continuously figuring out who you are because it's going to evolve mm-hmm. on a daily or weekly basis. Of course. With your new job, what were, mm-hmm. the, what were the demands and how was that for you? Sure. Well, I mean, where, where I work, uh, I, so I'm the sort of sole graphic designer there. Um, I sort of work in a very small marketing team. Um, so when I started, obviously, you know, you, and like any new job, you want to know, obviously, the day-to-day responsibilities, you know, things that you want to progress in as, a, a, you know, moving forward. But sadly, sort of going to the job when I started, um, uh, I mean, my head of marketing was sort of taken ill quite recently. And um, it sort of affected my job role as a whole. Um, so the things I was doing, for example, was, was um was things I'd never been used to do doing before, um, which was a learning curve. So, for example, speaking directly to clients, getting commissions on on projects which I would do, which again, always wanted to learn and to do, um, but never thought it'd come about so quickly. Uh, so it's one of those things you kind of almost baptism of fire, as it were. Um, so I was speaking directly to directors, um, and usually I'd always speak, you know, directly to my you know, head of marketing, who was kind of middle guy or middle lady, I should say having conversations with directors and, you know, presenting pitches to works that you produce, which, I, I mean, it's quite a learning curve for anyone, I think, you know, I mean, I, I think having a conversation with your superiors can always be quite a tricky one. Um, obviously, you want to make sure you don't kind of trip up in anything you say, and obviously the best way you can show is obviously what, you, you know, what you're showing. But again, obviously, the certain way you would speak to, say, you know, your, your personal colleagues, then you wouldn't necessarily speak to a director. So again, trying to find that balance and speaking to them. And um, I mean, they're a great bunch of guys who I work with, which is, which is fantastic. And it kind of makes it quite easier for me when I was presenting work, speaking to my directors. Obviously, they, you know, they know my work ethic. They know what I can do. And yeah, I mean, they're a good bunch of guys. So it kind of made it a little bit easier, that transition of, you know, not having a head of marketing, not having someone who I would always talk to continuously, you know, to show my work as approval or to, you know, any questions I might have, I would always talk directly to that person. So obviously they weren't in place. Um, so I had to kind of work around it. Um, and again, obviously with that balance, personal life as well with issues, with a, with a kind of similar complex. Um, but yeah, trying to find a balance between the two was, a, was an interesting curve, let's say that, said the least. But um, Maybe you can almost give me a, a ballpark estimate in terms of hours, but in my experience in the work world, they speak a lot about the work-life balance and things like that. And it's, Sometimes it can't be helped. You have to work long hours. Sometimes it can be helped and you are working long hours and you're like, you know, with a little bit more organization, this could be a lot simpler. But for you personally, where is that balance for you in terms of, I don't know if it's in terms of uh, like a 50 hour work week or whatever, like at what point, yeah. what's the give and take for you? How, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it revolves, but I'm just, I'm curious. Like most people who work full time, nine to six is my hours. But I always, you know, sort of tend to get in maybe an hour early and, you know, digest. I mean, 
like any designer, I can imagine you get endless amounts of emails. So for me, before I conquer any project or any workload in the mornings, I always try to set an hour aside to go through my emails, kind of see the kind of, you know, bridge across before I even cross it, if that makes sense. Um, so mm-hmm. kind of, you know, digesting that. And then when I finish work in the evenings, I mean, I I guess it's quite a cliche from a design's point of view, but I, I do tend to, when I procrastinate sometimes as well, I do procrastinate, but also I like to take pride in what I produce. So you know, if I've produced a project and say the deadline was five, handed it in on time, but I would always, well, if I've got time to try and potentially afterwards work in a bit more um, and then, you know, deliver it the following day and, you know, show alternatives to, you know, um, as to what else could be, you know, as an option. And usually that's kind of worked in my favour whereby, you know, I mean, I think the directors can sort of see that I'm working, you know, a bit hard and, and you know, it, it kind of pays off because, you know, they're more willing to, to want to see what you've produced, some especially in your own time as well, because it shows that, you know, you're, you're generally interested in what you make and what you do. It's not just a job. It's more of a career. Um, and I think from, from my perspective, I've always had that, you know, going back from college, I've always really enjoyed what I produce. Um, obviously, you're going to have very late nights and very long days in the office when there's really big projects on, um, which like most designers probably know the same. But but yeah, for me, Spotify and peppermint tea has always been a, a hand in hand marriage, really, which, which kind of helped me through. So I've replaced peppermint tea with, oh, I've replaced coffee with peppermint tea. So that's a healthy option I'm taking, but it's, it's panning out well, which is good. That is a good, that's a definitely, uh, if you're working long hours, it's a good thing to sub out there to put in the peppermint tea. And I like that one a lot. Well, well so you just mentioned a second ago, mm. it's not a job, it's a career. Mm. For you personally, could you describe the differences between the two for yourself? Uh, you're, you're a graphic designer and you're obviously very passionate about design and problem solving, things like that. But Mm. Um, we hear that term bandied about a lot, you know, career versus job, things mm. like that. For you, what, what is the difference between the two? It seems to me like you're, like you're saying right now, currently you have a career. You don't mind going to work every day. I think that's a step number one to say the difference between if you hate going to your work every day, it's not a career, it's a job, you know, but, but yeah. for you, where yeah. is that balance? That's an interesting question. I think for me personally, I mean, I, you know, you do your job nine to six, like everyone else does. That's fine. But there's always that interest in, you know, what's happening after nine to six. So, for example, you know, if you go to a degree show, say, for example, in, in the evenings, it's obviously it's, it's in your own personal time, you know. So it's not necessarily you've been forced to it, but because you want to do it. Um, for me personally, I've got quite a lot of friends who are creatives, which is quite nice. So, you know, if we want to meet up for a drink on a social basis, we might meet for a drink, but we might meet for a drink in a gallery, say. So that way, in a sense, we're kind of keeping ourselves still immersed, you know, from a creative perspective. But again, it's you know, not heavily so much that we can have a drink and have a good catch up about, you know, how the week's been for everyone. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it helps when, you know, you've got people around you, very close people, I should say, around you who are from a creative background because, you know, like a lot of my friends who are photographers or graphic designers, fashion designers, they they all work very hard, work during the week, but then they also, you know, in the evenings or even on weekends, immerse themselves with something creative, whether it's going to a gallery, whether it's reading creative books, um, I mean, I, I love to read, um, so I get a lot of my, I've got a little mini book collection going on upstairs in my room, and uh, yeah, by all means, I've got a lot of creative books I sort of tend to read in the weekends, and, and galleries and degree shows, I mean, I love going to degree shows, I think, I mean, when I graduated from years from university, which was three years ago, which feels like ages ago, but it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, um, degree shows were awesome, and I've been to quite a few recently, uh, which was quite nice, and um, yeah, sort of seeing young, the new wave of young creators kind of coming through. And seeing that that passion, that spark to want to still, you know, do really well, 
um, it's, re it's really refreshing. It's really refreshing because I mean, when you work full time, it, it's, it can get quite mundane and quite a pattern that you kind of get yourself into, which, you know, it happens to the best of us. But it's a case of, you know, trying to keep yourself as interested as possible. And that comes from not just from a, a social point of view, but also from a work perspective as well. You know, it's, it's very easy to just do the job that you want to do for, you know, money to throw and that's it. But if it becomes more of a, an interest and a, and a, and a passion, and, and then that's like, I think that's where the word career would come into it because, you, you know, that drive to want to do more than what's expected of you is the difference between a career and a job. But that's just my perspective on it as well. I mean, everyone's probably got their own. But from personally, that's, that's how I would perceive it. Well, I think it's very interesting that what you just said in a lot of ways, essentially place the onus on us as people to establish our own sense of a career. I think you're right in the sense that if we treat our job like something that we're doing from a nine to five, and then we want to drop it and never look at it until the next day, it'll become mundane much faster. But that also goes into what you're saying, you know, do something that you have a natural passion for because you're going mm -hmm. to be more curious, you're going to want to be more involved. And, mm -hmm. you know, I also think that for us, as artists, and although, you know, I went to school here in New York City and, and you went to school in the UK. Karen, I want to ask you, the collegiate environment that you grew up in, where you were surrounded with like-minded peers, where information was being freely shared in your life, you know, the kind of environment where it was for me as well, when you present something in college, you put it up on the board, everybody talks about it, everybody yeah. shares their opinion, and you gain something from it. I've been trying to find more of that in my life since I left college. And I've talked to peers of mine and, and they've been saying the same thing, trying to get that camaraderie back. Yeah. Have you been searching yeah. for something like this? Um, on my end, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who are, who are creatives, um, who study various professions and it's quite nice to sort of, you know, you know, catch up with a drink and sort of share work. And I mean, that's, that's the kind of way I kind of keep myself, you know, as creative as possible, even when you're, you know, maybe potentially in a, in, a, in a place where there's not a lot of creators around you. You know, when you're studying in college and university, you're, you're surrounded by Twitter creators 24-7, which is great. But when you get into the working world, um, depending on what profession you do, you don't necessarily, you know, have a lot of creators around you. So on my end, I mean, I have a lot, like I said, I have a lot of friends who, who study um, graphic design as well as photography, and it, it's quite nice to sort of share work and, you know, hear their perspective on what I'm working on and still see what they're working on too. And now I know that you're somebody who loves to go to, say, an end-of-term show for a college or mm. gallery events and things like that. Being connected to the art world over and over, uh, as a creative person, professionally and otherwise, just somebody who's a creative person, mm. I think that's very important because it's very easy to talk to ourselves. It's very easy to lose inspiration or just get in a rut where – you do the same three or four things in your show Bible over and over again, but you're not really expanding sure. your toolkit. Are there yeah, some things sure. that you've seen lately at shows or in a kind of environment that would be like a college environment that has brought inspiration into your life? Yeah, like you, sort of, you touched a hit ahead really with what you just mentioned, you know, visiting sort of degree shows. Um, one thing you'll, you'll notice, you know, obviously everyone's got their work up and they sort of see what, you know, the working professionals kind of really think of what their work is. But from from my perspective on you know, visiting these degree shows, I think it's that sort of that spark that you can sort of see with a lot of young creators that, you know, it's the kind of the unknown of, you know, they've got this really cool work which they've produced over a period of weeks. And, you know, it's, it's finally being presented and it's a case of, you know, some people might know exactly where they're going to next, whether it's full time or freelance, but then some might kind of, you know, have an organic relationship from the people they meet at their shows and it can stem off from there onwards. So I think for me, it's, you know, speaking to those young creators and kind of knowing what makes them drive. And then, you know, kind of hopefully, you know, given your experience and knowledge of what, you know, you know, 
kind of feeding it to them. Um, again, there's a lot of things that young creatives do, which, you know, people who work in the industry, you know, take 10, 15 years already do, might not necessarily know what the younger generation is about. So again, it's, it's kind of feeding off both sort of sets of generation. I think that's quite a nice, refreshing thing to do. Um, so yeah, I, I always thrive on knowing that it's a degree show in my local area and uh, trying to attend. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. I think sometimes the assumption is that the younger generation, let's say a junior designer, they can only learn from the seniors around them when that's not necessarily true. I, you know, the longer we work in an industry, I think the more likely it is that we would get into a pattern where a younger person who's full of, you know, vinegar and fresh ideas mm. could positively influence as well. For sure. Now, along those lines, by the way, you have a new creative partner, Olga. How did you meet Olga? You know, when did you guys decide like, hey, we're friends or we're becoming friends, but mm. we're really along creatively along the same path here. Let's partner up with each other and collaborate. Or was this just something that was natural? It just came in and you didn't fight it. You just went with it. Yeah, sure. I mean, so Olga and I, we met a few, a few months back. Um, I was doing a photo shoot in Labrick Grove and she was actually a photographer. Uh, doing the photo shoot um, and we got talking and I re we also realised that a lot of the work we do, we do a lot of side projects, both of us, bearing in mind we've never met until this, this first day of the photo shoot. Realized, um, the one, our brains were very much in sync with wanting to work with, you know, the community and a lot of community projects, but also I can sort of, you know, really tell her, her passion and interest is, you know, photography, but also, you know, documenting the way people interact through lifestyle and culture. Uh, which which very much stems on a lot of projects that I sort of work on. So when we had our photo shoot, we got talking and then we swapped contact details. And a few weeks down the line, uh, we sort of met at South Bank and we had our, both our, had our sort of work, which we kind of done side project wise. And we sort of realized that there's projects that we've had in our back of our brains that we've always wanted to do, but it's a case of wanting to either work on another creative or a case of, you know, my particular skill set you know can only cover a certain part of the project and necessarily I might need someone else to you know, do the other part and we realized with my skill sets in you know graphic design mainly print and her photography we kind of you know bounce each other really well um so then we decided to kind of work together on various projects when we've got time but more of a collective where you know when when and when we can we will sit, sit down you know think of an idea of a project and kind of make it work and I think both of us are very much in tune with the way we think. And, um, and yeah, I mean, we get along very well as well, you know, on a, on a personal level as well as professional. And it, it just works really, really well. So I'm kind of really excited to sort of see how the year unravels. Uh, we're working Olga very closely. Well, you're hitting on this a little bit right now. Uh, you know, we spoke last year about your experiences with Feast, being in a community like that where, you know, people turn into West Norwood each Sunday during the nice weather to get together, to eat good food, to see live shows, things like that, just to be with each other. And you're talking earlier about, you know, the collegiate environment that we had. Also now your partnership with Olga. What does the immediate physical community surrounding you personally do for you in your life does it only enrich are there certain things that it takes away uh you know because my feeling mm. is that in a world where social media it's it's so prevalent people can be mm. sitting there on devices scrolling through their lives and never actually take part in their own lives it's almost like you become a voyeur sometimes i find mm. Mm. i'll be on the train now i read on the train but i'll also have headphones in my ears but i'm generally not listening to anything i think that's just a way that's like leave me alone you yeah. know but I look around and <laughs> I'm a bubble. yeah, in a bubble, unfortunately, that's just because I'm trying to concentrate on reading. But I look around and people are just like 85% of the people on the train, even more than that, probably. And we're talking like 100 people in a car. 
either are on their device or you know listening to music, unplugging on a, say a Sunday afternoon. What is that doing for you? What is, what is it bringing into your life? Sure, I think um, I mean, you know, like you still hit it on the head. Really. Yeah, and you're unplugged right Nowadays. now. I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah, literally. I mean, so I'm in I'm in a park right now, and there's, there's obviously little kids running around, and it's, it's pretty manic. But to be fair, like you said, you know, it's nice just to you know grab your notepad and your pen and you know just sit down and. You sort of, you know, mentioned obviously having the headphones in, but not necessarily listen to music, just to kind of, you know, close yourself off. I think that, you know, I do that quite often as well. And, you know, I try, especially on a Sunday, I will sort of leave the Mac at home and I will uh, go for a jog. Luckily where I live in, in Surrey, there's a lot of fields. So I sort of tend to go jogging quite often and even just go for a walk, you know, just to kind of fill yourself with, you know, the environment rather than social media. Um, but like you said as well, when you, you know, go into say a market or anywhere really nowadays, everyone's plugged into some sort of, you know, electronic device, which is the way for, you know, the way people work nowadays. But again, it, it's nice to kind of, you know, just have a human conversation really, you know, face to face and you can't beat that. And again, with myself and Olga, we're wanting to work very closely with the community and the environment. We kind of realised that, especially when you go into certain areas of London, South London in particular, we went to, uh, to Brixton where I, a place where I grew up. Now, over a period of time, you know, it's changed with the, it's more more diverse with the people that's coming into it. Um, but also it's, it's more, it's more of an area whereby, you know, people, people talk a lot in an area of Brixton. There's a lot of markets and it's a, it's a case of, you know, um, people speaking with one another and you've got different types of foods and you're, you're trying different foods. And it's, it's a very nice homely kind of feel um, of Brixton. I mean, I'm not quite biased because obviously I grew up there, but again, it's, it's, it's a very, very nice area. And, um, again, like most areas, you know, it, it, you just got to really find those kind of niche, niche places where you know there's markets. But I think markets is always a good place to go because again, people are just walking and talking, and there's, hopefully there's very little interaction with their phones. It's a case of just you know doing the old school thing of just talking to one another, um, which again is what myself and Olga really enjoy doing. I'm just kind of documenting that. When you had first reached out to me a few months ago, and we were talking about arranging another podcast, <clears throat> you had mentioned the the basis for reaching out to me besides saying hello was powder burn brochure that you were working on. Yeah. This is a hundred plus page brochure that you were essentially in charge of laying out and designing for those who don't know what is powder burn. How did this project come about? What was some of the background information and, and inspiration that you had to look through before you even sat down to sketch anything out? What were you looking for? Sure. Okay. So a bit of background of what powder burn is as powder burner, I see luxury uh, agency who are based in Putney. And we work with various resorts um, around the world, predominantly areas of Switzerland. And we will basically cater for, for any clients who are flying out from the UK or from anywhere else, mainly the UK. And we will uh, tailor the holiday um, directly to that individual client. So very much a bespoke holiday for the individual. So we will take care of the food right down to, you know, the logistics of they've got young kids and making sure they're, they're looked after and entertained through our various programs too. I mean, that's, that's kind of the basis of, of what Powder Burn are about, um, bespoke luxury holidays. So my, I mean, my role within the, within the agency was graphic designer, uh, the sole graphic designer there. Um, within the head of the marketing team. And like you mentioned, it was a 100-page publication, which um, by all means, it wasn't a, an easy task to do. But it was a task where obviously, I mean, I, I, I really thrive on working on, on print-based uh, projects. So with this, my first uh, sort of starting block before you come up with any sort of, you know, 100-page brochure, I mean, it, it sounds quite daunting, but as a starting block, I mean, I, I first of all looked at the previous brochures which Powderburn have done before I turned up. And I sort of realised over the period of years, um, I mean, they've got some really lovely brochures in, in place, but one thing I realised was that there wasn't a case of utilising a lot of the photography we had. Um, so like I 
immense various resorts around the world and around especially Europe so you know why not utilize some of those fantastic shots we've got within the print so when I decided to to lay out the design of how this new brochure should be I was quite keen on a lot of the imagery doing the talking um in opposed to you know very content heavy very very copy heavy I should say um so yeah in a, in a way it kind of spoke for itself and you know laying things out and then realizing you know we've got a lot of fantastic imagery to use let's let's utilize that um, it was it was a very interesting brief to do. By by all means, the most hardest brief I've done since I left university, uh, but also the most rewarding one I've done too. Well, for somebody who's never worked on a project that's the size and scope of, of over a hundred page print brochure, timing wise, how long did this take? You know, when did you start it? When did it end? It was a three month editorial brief. Um, uh, to be fair, it did go well. It was a quite un an interesting uh, way the brief came about because, um, well, during the process of whilst this was happening, um, unfortunately, we had a head of marketing who was uh, fortunately really unwell and had to leave. It was a bit difficult for my end as well. I mean, obviously, started about you know just under a year ago, and usually I would report directly to the head of marketing, um, and it got to a point where obviously, due to personal circumstances, she had to leave. Now. During the process of a project such as this, you know, communication is so vital, especially with your uh, superiors. So, I mean, fortunately for me, I, I had um, a very good uh, a team around me, um, two interns and also um, my director, who I had a lot of contact with. So the brochure in itself was made a little bit easier, you know, communicating with those guys. But having, uh, at the time, no head of marketing was a little bit tricky. Um, so it was, <clears throat> it was a three-month editorial brief. However... I, well, let's just say there was a lot of late nights and a lot of nights of uh, drinking coffee and yeah, laptops open. But uh, again, like most creators, I'm sure they understand, you know, it's, when you have a project of, of any scale, you know, whether, whether it's a digital one or a print based one, you're going to go the extra mile and you're going to have a few late nights. Um, it's a case of how many late nights you have really to try and function the following morning. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, it was, a, it was a tough brief to do, but also a very rewarding one too. For the design of the booklet itself, what was some of the inspiration that you looked at before you even sat down to design anything or sketch anything out? Mm. Visuals, things like that. What were you looking for? So obviously every year, Powderburn do a brochure. And by all means, get an understanding of the previous brochures which have been done before. Um, see the old designer who'd done them. Looking at them and seeing you know, what worked, what didn't work. Uh, sort of putting slips of paper in between each of the spreads which I thought worked very well ones which I thought didn't work very well and kind of evolving it really as a brand as a new designer coming into somewhere where there's always been an existing brand you know it's, it's important but from a designer's point of view you know kind of stamp your mark which is important I think as well especially when you're the sole designer there you know it's you know, anyone wants to kind of show what you can do but also it's important for me to know that you know when the clients read this next brochure I produce, it doesn't look as though it's a brand new thing which has no collection to Powderburn. So obviously it's got to seem consistent. So once I kind of read the previous brochures and digested it more, it made it easier to start drawing out layouts and things that I thought could work well in a particular design. And then from then onwards, before I even open up InDesign, you know, um, collating folders, which is so important, I think, for any designer, you know, where things would sit on the spreads. But before you even design it, actually having a folder for, say, your free spread as, a, as a such. So obviously, we've got a lot of resorts, so we've got some really fantastic high-res imagery. Um, and to basically narrow it down from there. And then eventually, I went on to InDesign, and obviously, you know, you start playing around with it. So, I mean, when you get told, right, you've got to produce a 101-page publication... I mean, it sort of sends shivers down your spine ever so slightly. I mean, there was a lot of stressful moments, I won't lie about that. But I mean, it got to a point where, you know, I, I really enjoyed producing what I was making. The year, which I kind of mentioned I had, it was quite a tricky one. So trying to find a balance of obviously producing, you know, a very intense brochure 
but then also with home life as well, which was which was quite tricky. I wanted to do, but uh, you know, when the brochure was made and we we got it printed, it was a it was a sigh of relief, but also it felt like an accomplishment, which was from a personal perspective, it felt good to sort of see the print finally made. That new fresh print smell you get when you open up a publication, you can't beat it. It's amazing. Would you say that you're someone who, if things in your personal life are in flux, you want to dive headfirst into work, or was it more of a struggle for you to stay focused while working? I mean, obviously you produced a fantastic brochure. It also seems to me that you work well when you can do some of your own project managing because then you have a, a greater sense of the totality of the project and you're not waiting on someone to give you an answer for something that you could find out for yourself. Would you say that it was more difficult or more easy to become fully invested in a project like that for you personally this year, because that could be different in a year from now, when things in your personal life are also in flux at the same time. Because like you said, it's about finding that balance, right? Mm. And sometimes everything it in is, our life yeah. could seemingly be totally out of whack, but really like 90% of that is just stuff that we're telling ourselves is out of whack or whatever. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple of things that really <laughs> I know, are, totally. but yeah. most stuff isn't, but we just are all, you know, we, we got to step back sometimes from things. For you, where yeah. is that? That's an interesting question. Um, I think when I think back to when this brief first happened, and obviously, you know, as the year kind of unraveled, there was a lot of bad things that were kind of happening on a personal uh, level. I think when I, it was definitely a case of I did dive into the brochure straight away because I think for me it was my kind of um, gateway away from personal life. So obviously when I go to work, you know, I, you know, I, I I talk to everyone, everyone's there, and you know, communicating quite well, but. You know, when you've got personal things going on at home, and I think that's like for anyone, not just from designer perspective, but from anyone who's got a career and a job, and, you know, if they've got personal things going on at home, sometimes their way of escaping from it is just going to work and just doing what you need to do. And for me, I had a period where, you know, I might work a little bit longer and harder than I usually would do, just for the sheer fact of, obviously, from the personal perspective. And it got to a point where, um, I think it got to a point where, you know, try and slow down and take it easy I think you know obviously I, I love what I do that's for sure and I enjoy you know working you know really hard on, on exciting briefs such as this but it got to a point where I wanted to kind of you know take a bit of a, a chill pill as it were and just kind of slow down a bit and um, and this is just coming from my friends my really personal friends who you know who are from design background and knew I was working on this project um, and I think they could sort of see I was going a bit hyperdrive with the, with the brief as it were um, so one thing I actually did, well, I'm actually still doing now, is, well, it's two things. I'm learning German and I'm learning guitar. And it's just it's something which, I guess in a way, you could quit creative, but it's something that's separate to what I, what, what, the, what the project was, what the project was, well, the brochure, I should say. Um, and that was useful because, you know, when I come home after, say, a long day of doing the brochure, I probably, I could easily have, a, you know, a meal, a glass of wine, and then I'll probably still sit on my laptop doing the brochure. So, and I realized I haven't really switched off, have I? Because obviously I worked continuously. So for me, it was trying to find a balance of knowing, knowing when to stop, but also knowing, you know, right, well, I can channel my, my interest and energy in something else, which is just as productive. So, you know, wanting to learn German, um, just for the sheer facts of, because, you know, I, I plan to move to Germany one day, um, well, before I'm 30, really. So again, these are all steps to, to, to long plans, potentially. Um, but it's something which, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, learning language is a hard thing, that's for sure. But again, having to use a certain part of my brain for the brochure, I switched off because I was using a separate part of my brain for learning German. And the same thing for learning the guitar as well. 
Um, I've got friends who, who learn a guitar, so I've sort of had lessons with them, which is quite nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that for me, that learning the guitar and learning German, which sounds like an odd thing to do, but, I mean, it, it just, for me, was definitely a, a, a part where I was able to switch off doing the brochure. Three, it was a three-month editorial brief, so it was a very intense uh, project. I mean, it's the most intense project I've ever done since I left university, that's for sure. Um, so for me, I knew the importance of, you know, doing this brief and getting it right. But I also knew the importance of not working so hard, I burned myself out. So, I mean, that's just from, you know, my family telling me that, not even, you know, my close friends, people who know me, you know, that well. So, so yeah, like I said, with the personal things going on this year, it got to a point where, you know, I had my family with me, which is, I mean, I'm very close to my family, which is nice. I had my, my best friend was with me as well. And they can understand what I was kind of going through from per work and, and personal um, and yeah, with them around me, it made life a lot easier. Um, it made life a lot easier. Um, and I was able to produce the brochure um, with their help as well. I mean, I had their advice, especially with a lot of uh, my creative friends. I had them to kind of, you know, show them my work. And I mean, one thing with creative people, especially really close creative friends you might have, is that they're not afraid to kind of give you the brutal, honest truth of what they think of it. And I think that's what's needed because obviously, you know, if you show some, well, perfect example, I'll show my mom a piece of work. No, mum will love it, but you know, mum might not tell you why it's bad because obviously she still wanna you know hurt your feelings because it's your mum. But again, you know, I had a friend who you know went through a, a glass of wine and I had my Mac up and we had the spreads on the screen and you know she was going through each spread and I mean crikey, she was very brutal, but I needed that because obviously, you know, hearing the honest truth of what she thought from a design perspective helped me to to make those amendments and to produce something better. Um so by all means, I mean it, it kind of helps, you know, having the balance, but also helping having people around you. That are very close to you because they kind of know you on a on a level and sometimes they might even know you better than know yourself um which sounds quite weird thing to know to say but for me i'm very close to my family like i said so it, it made it easier to, to talk to them about certain things and um my closest friend as well made it easier to talk to them about what i'm working on currently well i think it's definitely true what you just said about sometimes our family or our friends know us better than we know ourselves it's easy for us to get lost in our own head the emotions that what's going on whether that be creatively or personally about other things and what you just said is very true in the sense that sometimes we overlook this, but don't isolate ourselves. You mentioned that you have been working on a brochure mm. and then you could come home and, and work on other things, other projects, learning German, learning the guitar. Those things will add to the inspiration that you have for the brochure. It's a way to shut things off. Also, I think, you know, regardless of what we went to school for in college, our entire schooling life, we take multiple subjects, right? We're not just doing science and only mm. science. And it's, no, you switch off and go to something else and they all work in with each other. But I think it's really important for people to know that we shouldn't isolate ourselves. We've got to push ourselves forward. Mm. And for you, you want to move to Germany mm. before you're 30, start learning the language now. So by the, by the time you turn 30, you're fluent in that language mm. and never have to worry about that again. I mean, it helps as well. I mean, my aunt speaks fluent German too. So I've kind of got that personal personal connection, personal tutor, I should say. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's something, it's those little things that you've always wanted to do, which is not very much work-based, but I think it's such an important thing to want to do. I mean, it might be, you know, wanting to, to, to learn a language or, you know, to want to pursue something where it might not be a career or something you want to do, but it's just for fun, you know, learning, learning the guitar, for example. I mean, I'm not doing it to be the next Ed Sheeran, not by a long shot, but it's something that I've never done the guitar before, ever. I used to play the drums when I was a kid, but, you know, guitar was always like I wanted to do. And I thought, well, you know what? How about I set, I don't know, two hours, two hours a week, say, tops, which is not a lot, but it's, it's enough that it kind of, you know, detox me ever so slightly from doing something that I'm always used to be doing. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's fun and it's enjoyable, which with the year I've had as well, I kind of think to myself, life, you get to a point where life is quite short. To, you know, you've, you've got to enjoy what you do. I think that's so important to want to enjoy what you do. And, you know, obviously understand the importance of what you've got to do, but also know that if there's a way where you can find a balance and find it well and, to, you know, pursue something that really, really interests you, really grab it by the, by the balls, really, I should say. It seems often that money is the way we govern things in life, whether we need to earn a certain amount to buy certain things, etc. But I think in truth that time is the greatest, you know, mm. thing that we're essentially wrestling with our whole lives. And that's where the, the desire for money essentially comes in to get to a certain point where we don't have to worry about things or whatever. It seems to me that you would agree that if we can slow our lives down, suddenly time actually feels longer because we're in the moment more and we're continuously in that moment. So a day feels like a day, you know. And obviously you're more productive in what you do in that day as well. I think when you start to, obviously I used to plan, I mean, months, even sometimes going crazy years in the head, but obviously to try and plan for the week, say, rather than months ahead, you, you sort of digest it more and you think, okay, it's Monday morning, right? Okay, what I've got to do? And then you kind of break it up and you're more productive, I think I find as well, because obviously your mindset is focused on what needs to be done right now, not necessarily what needs to be done, which again, obviously yeah. I know the importance of planning that that's, totally fine and I do plan ahead but you know I've sort of slowed down to a point where I'm understanding the importance of what's current for me now I would like to do eventually you know will come eventually if I pursue it long enough I have a friend named Spencer who he has a saying that's if you take small bites you can eat the elephant eventually but you can't eat it in one bite and it's very true in that sense you know like I, I find that if, if we look like if, if I'm trying to plan three weeks in a row yeah. My next three weeks, there will be hundreds of tasks that I will get done. But if I try to look at them all now, I'll be like, why don't I just disappear from society for three weeks instead? I don't want to deal with any of this, you know, but like one at a time. Yeah, exactly. Control, alt, delete, which it's so funny that you say that. Sometimes like I'll, uh, I'll hang a painting or something in my apartment and it won't look good. And my brain is like, command, delete. And I'm like, oh, I actually have to walk over to this. And manually take it down and move it somewhere. <laughs> it's like it's the, that's so you know, that's the, the, life of Mr. Robot, the TV show I was on about before. It's just very digital era that we live. I think most people do that, and they probably re realize actually it's quite interesting. Well, but along those lines, now mm. I think it's funny. One other thing about computers in general: once again, computers have basically become mostly a technical tool, in my opinion. Uh, whereas like the toy is now a phone instead of a laptop, et cetera. So computers are back to being a designer's tool or being a programmer's tool, et cetera. How many hours a day are you spending at a computer? And also, ideally, how many hours a day would you want to spend at a computer? Oh, crikey. I, I, the scary thing is I don't think I would like to know how many hours I spend on the computer because I know I spend a lot of hours on the computer. But again, that just comes probably, well... I don't want to say just work because I know on the weekends I'll still be on the computer. Um, I mean, I work nine to six, like I said. So every hour of those days, I will be on the computer of some sort. All my iPhone, I'm always switched on to something. But that being said, I mean, especially this, I don't know what it about Sundays, but Sundays for me are usually quite a chill day. And on a Sunday, I mean, I, where I live with my parents now in, in Surrey, it's, it's quite nice because there's a lot of, uh, sort of countryside, a lot of fields. Um, so by all means, I'll leave the laptop, I'll leave the phone as well, and I'll just go for a jog or I'll go for a walk and there's a lot of lakes around there and it feels nice to actually just switch off completely. And I mean, that, that means not just walking around with the phone in the back pocket or an Instagram message. It's a case of just leaving everything you've got that you would always use 
and just, you know, go for a two-hour walk. Why not? That's what I've been doing more of as well, especially in the past few weeks as well, just switching off because I do spend a lot of hours on the uh, on the laptop and on, on the phone as well. And, and sometimes, you know, even traveling from, from one place to another. So I travel primarily by train. I'm always got my laptop open as well. So I'm that guy in the corner with the laptop and the headphones on, you know, which is like most designer guys. But but yeah, I'm that guy that's always on the laptop as well. Um, you know, if you're standing up because it's a really busy train, you've got the phone on. So either way, you're always switching to some sort of device. Um, so I'm trying very hard to to switch off on that basis. And even reading a book, you know, reading a book as well. I love to read. So, you know, on my lunch break, I what I used to do a lot on my lunch breaks, I would sometimes, which doesn't sound healthy at all, but I would have my lunch whilst by my computer just to carry on doing what I'm doing work-wise. And obviously you have days where you have to do it because of deadlines, fine. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a continual thing. And it's a pattern that you get yourself into. So now for lunch breaks, I would, you know, I've, I've got a book that I'm reading currently now. Um, and I'll take a book with me and I'll go to the park around the corner. And I will have my lunch sandwiches and, you know, read a book or go to a coffee shop um, and, yeah, read a book. And it's just something that's not, something that's not what you're used to doing every day. Completely different, which is, which is nice. And refreshing as well, which is really important. Would you say right now that you're bothering to continue to try to plan deep down the road? We've, we've touched on certain things like that with your creative partnership, with your job, with this brochure, maybe submitting it to some sort of, um, you know, different kinds of awards, which is different yeah. in the sense that you've completed it. So now it's just a matter of submitting and, and seeing what yeah. happens. We're in September. So we're in mm. the, the burr months. We've got the, the last quarter of the year here, you know, September, October, yeah. November, December. You mentioned that you're going to go on holiday in December, which is much well-earned and also a good thing to kind of like, okay, and now the year's going to be over. Let's see what's going yeah. on in 2017. Yeah. What are your plans then for the next few months? Or, or are you just trying to be as open as possible? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, I, I mean, again, I, I do plan, but not as in depth as I did uh, before, especially before this year kind of unraveled. So for me moving forward, I mean, I'm really keen on, on working with Olga again, like I said, with, with my creative partner, and you know, and um, and producing producing work that we've always wanted to do back of our minds. I mean, there's a project which I won't go into much depth because it's very much the early stages of it. Um, so watch this space. But it's a case of you know meeting up when we can, you know, and then trying to you know bounce ideas of each other. Um, there's another creative which I completely haven't mentioned to you, but it's someone called Lisa as well, who, again, I met Lisa um, through, I was on my way to my grandma's actually for a barbecue and, and Lisa was doing a project. She had a camera outside Elephant Castle train station and she was, it was for her fundamental university project. And she was basically focusing her project on the redevelopment of a particular area of South London, which is where I lived at the time. Now she was stopping people, you know, when people are walking by and you stop them and you ask, you know, do you have a minute or two? And she stopped me and we had a, we had a nice chat about what she was working on. And I was in a rush because obviously I was going to my grandma's barbecue. But we stopped contact details and um, a long story short, I went to a degree show. And again, I found out, similar like Olga, I found out that our way of thinking and our interest in wanting to document the community was very much aligned. So I think moving forward, myself, Olga, and also Lisa as well. I mean, Lisa still studies and she's going into now do a master's, but it's a time again for her to be quite tricky. But like for all of us, it will be the same. But again, it's a case of, when we've got a moment or two um, or we can decide we will meet up and we'll do this quite regularly as well. And we will think about um, ideas which we really want to do and try and think of steps we could do to make them happen. I wouldn't call it more of a, uh, a company when a start up, but more of a, you know, free, free, free creatives who are from different backgrounds who have interesting ideas and want to make things happen. I mean, that's, I mean, it's not really a clear, not really a short snappy sentence. I know, but it's, that's basically the ethos of what we want to do. Of, like I said, not wanting to 
you know, start a company, but more of a collective, more of a collective of group of creatives who have these ideas. So I'm quite keen on wanting to pursue that as the Eon Ravels. Um, I'm also quite keen on wanting to, <laughs> with my guitar as well, my guitar in German. I'm really, really keen on doing my German, especially um, only because my auntie, like I said, he speaks fluent, keeps on pestering, not pestering, that's the wrong word to use, but keeps on saying, Kieran, do German, do German, blah, 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 blah. So I really want to, you know, pursue my interest in wanting to learn that language because um, I've got friends over in Germany too, which is quite nice. So I do fly out quite often to, to Stuttgart in Germany in particular um, to see friends over there. So I'll be doing that more as the year unravels as well. And also getting involved with, you know, community-based projects. So, you know, because I, I realise there's a lot of um, markets and a lot of things happening in the areas of London, whether it's east, west, north or south. And it's a case of knowing when they're happening and also what, what I can produce or what I can do to kind of help you know, whatever they're making happen. Um, so I think that's, I'm always interested in, in doing that and, and speaking to speaking to people who I've never met before. I think that's always an exciting thing. I mean, it's quite, you know, some people can find it quite daunting to speak to strangers, but it sounds a really weird thing to say, but I tend to, and it's going to sound really odd to say, but I tend to find awkward situations quite funny just for the sheer fact of, you know, if it, awkward to a point where, you know, you, you speak to someone, you find out what they do. And I think when you come across where you're listening and you're understanding what people are saying, they're very more to hear what your, your story is or wanted to hear what you are. And I think listening is such an important thing because it's so easy just to get your point across and kind of leave and, you know, that's it. And, and to do that. And, you know, maybe as a, as a young creative, when I was growing up, I did that more often, but I think now I'm a bit older, more mature, and I'm starting to, to realize how kind of life works slightly more and more really listening to people and knowing you know the story and and meeting new people because again eventually you know we never know where things could lead i mean if i never had spoken to olga at the photo shoot the way we did we would never have had this idea of a collective and same for lisa you know like i said if i was on my way to my grandma's for the barbecue if i'd carried on walking you know with my headphones on not looking around i we would never have spoken and never have met before happen organically and i think that's the most exciting thing about being a creative in 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 the in the, in the year we're kind of living in now where you know things can happen and it can happen at such a quick momentum that you know it's exciting because you don't know where things would lead absolutely to seeing things how how the year will pan out despite the fact that we've only got a few months left to the end of the year which i cannot believe already because it's gone so quick it has yeah. yeah it has well what you just said about being open in general you know i i think that every not every day in our lives is going to be the single greatest most self-satisfying day that we've ever lived but if we just spend all our time dwelling on, really, I think it's dwelling on the past more than anything. You know, things happen, but if we sit there, you now sometimes we have to digest them and, you know, understand why they're happening. But like you're saying, if you weren't open to all of these new partnerships and things that are coming into your life, then they wouldn't be happening and you wouldn't be going in that direction. So it's just a matter of being open. Totally. I mean, like anyone, obviously everyone's different in every single way, but I think that's the that's the interesting part about it. You know, you meet someone who you don't know their life story. And again, Olga, like I said, Olga, Olga, she was born in Latvia. So her upbringing was very different to my upbringing in London. And same for, for Lisa, she was, born, she was born in Germany. So um, I don't know what it is. I've actually, I actually tend to find a lot of friends who are all born outside of England, I should say, which is quite nice. But again, it's knowing their story, you know, because their upbringing would be so different to my upbringing. And we're both just, we're all the same age. Well, Sorry, Lisa's slightly younger, but, you know, we're all sort of the same generation, same kind of era. So now we all live in the same uh, same country. So it's a case of, you know, hearing our stories, hearing our backgrounds and, and you know, making kind of things happen uh, and making them happen organically as well. So I think that's that's where we're going. As When we all met, um, we actually met for the first time as a free, 
last week and we went for a coffee and we had a chat and yeah, we all had notepads out, but it wasn't a case of, right, this is a meeting, this is what we're going to do, it's, it's regimented. It was a case of, like, I think we all spoke about what our days were and our weeks were and, you know, things going ahead. And then we, you know, we had ideas and we had some really crazy, wacky ideas, which <laughs> I won't go into too much depth about it because it's very early stages. But again, it was, it's refreshing because it's, it's all ideas, which, you know, they, there's no reason why they can't happen. You know, we've all got different skill sets and we can, you know, we're all quite driven to want to, you know, make this, this very small collective work. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, it's very much exciting times ahead. And, you know, we all understand that we're all busy and we all work and we all, you know, like I said, myself and Olga both work and, and Lisa's studying. But, you know, we're all very busy as well with personal things going on too. But, you know, we understand that But when it's the case of we've got a split moment of having a club, we will. Um, and I think that's that's quite important to kind of keep that as a continuous thing, you know, to keep everyone's mind, you know, fresh and creative as possible. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. What would you like to plug for me today? Uh, I would like to, uh, so obviously Olga and Kay on Twitter. So we've now got a, a Twitter account. I mean, by all means, we're, we're, we're sort of pushing through uh, a lot of t- photographs, which Olga's been taking. Um, Olga travels, a lot of the shots that you will see if you follow um, us on Twitter, Olga and Kay, you will see it's a lot of people-based imagery. So there's a lot of photographs of people, uh, people interacting with one another all different walks of life and diversity. I think that's one thing we're really keen on touching upon what we post through social media. So, you know, you might see an image. I think as our color photograph is, there's a guy uh, <laughs> laughing at two ladies doing the quite interesting dance. But I mean, I'll leave you to lose your imagination as to what that is. But I mean, go on Twitter and you'll see what it is exactly. But again, we're going to be pushing a lot more content of photographs. But also, again, we want to work on some print-based stuff as well, which is obviously where my skill set lies in. So we're going to be working on hopefully... Now, as the year progresses, some more print-based projects with photo- obviously with photography involved. So we're going to be pushing that content through. So and Olga and Lisa. I mean, Lisa is Lisa. I mean, she's she's going into her into hopefully her masters. I think it is. Um, so she's going to be putting through a lot of her university project, which is quite interesting, and exciting to see. If you're interested in that, both Lisa and and Olga are amazing creatives. So I'm very very happy to to work alongside them and to see where this year pans out. Because I'm again their, their work. Is so different to what I produce. So that that is that is interesting as as a whole as itself. So I mean if you guys are, you know, whoever's listening to this are reading really keen and you know knowing about new creatives and even wanting to potentially, you know, work on anything that you find that you've got an idea about something where you think, oh crikey, if I knew a graphic designer or a photographer that could help and you're based in London, by all means, you know, hit me up and love to meet over a coffee and, and a chat. Fantastic. Thank you, Kieran, for taking time out of your Sunday to sit with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the interview. It's been great. Absolutely. Take care. You too, mate. Kieran, thanks again for donating parts of two weekends of your time to me on a Sunday. I really appreciate that. Kieran and I had a tiny production snafu. We had recorded it on a weekend. I had asked him back to record about 10 minutes of it over. I appreciate that very much. It was a very important part of the conversation. I wanted to make sure that you guys could hear it. I found a lot of what Kieran said to happen to be in parallel to some things going on in my life right now. I hope that whether you guys found it to be parallel or perpendicular to what's going on in your life, it sparked a conversation in your brain. That's the way to spread these conscious kinds of things around, guys. I always appreciate the feedback that you give me on the podcast here. It's important to me. It means a lot. I want to thank Kieran Lewis once again for taking time to sit down and talk with me. If you have Things that you'd like to talk to Kieran about, you can reach him through LinkedIn by searching for Kieran Lewis. He spells his name K-I-E-R-O-N-L-E-W-I-S. You can find him on Twitter at Kieran Anthony L. Anthony is his middle name, A-N-T-H 
O-N-Y. And if you want to check out his Powder Burn full booklet, it's available on issue. I'm going to embed it in an article within The Wall Breakers that's coming out as this podcast drops. So go to thewallbreakers.com to find that. But you can also do it through Kieran's website at kieranlewis.com slash powder dash burn. That's dash as in a hyphen, dash 2017. You'll see it if you go to his site. Lisa, his friend, check her out at lisa-drew.com or by searching for twitter.com slash L-I-I-S-B-I-I-S, Drew, D-R-E-W. And Olga, you can find her at ktvska.squarespace.com or twitter.com slash Olga underscore and underscore K, K-A-Y. Lots of social media links. They're all worth checking out. I hope that you guys once again are feeling really good today with yourselves, whether you're listening to this on the road, whether you're checking this out six months down the road. I appreciate it either way, and I'm hoping to bring lots of great Breaking Walls conversations to you this fall. And you know, as we head into the fall season here, when things like dinner parties come about again, and uh, I saw a commercial the other day for something, I don't even remember, but it was a dinner party going on. And I thought to myself, oh, look, it's autumn. Autumn is here. Dinner party season's here. So, you know, guys, as we head out there in these autumn months and the weather cools down a little bit, we put on those new kinds of clothes. We go do those outdoor autumn activities like apple picking, pumpkin picking. Be sure to not isolate yourselves. Get out there and have a good time. I'm hoping to bring one more podcast to you this month. And I am just trying to, in my own life, Wake up every day and make progress in some portion of who I am. Hope you guys are doing the same thing. If you have any questions or comments, you can always reach out to me at james at thewallbreakers.com. This month's topic of conversation on the Wallbreakers has been learning lessons. That's for schools reopening in September. Next month's topic of conversations on the Wallbreakers will be fear. That's in honor of Halloween being this month. And... You know, guys, sometimes we just uh, we just got to get out there. We got to go have a drink with somebody we haven't seen in a while. We got to meet up with somebody new for a nice meal. You know, a friend of mine, Tommy, would say breaking bread together. Whatever we're up to this fall, guys, do it with class. Do it with style. Do it while breaking walls. You know how I always end this, guys. Keep getting out there. Keep breaking those walls. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, episode number 41. And until next time. I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.